Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. This is your host, Will DeWitt, and I have one question to start off the show. Can you smell it? That's the smell of Bears football, and it's in the air as we're only four days until our favorite football team heads out to practice to kick off the 2019 season. Obviously, I'm excited, and I know you are, but let's check in with my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Are you juiced, man? I am juiced, Will. I'm like, when you... You said, can you smell it? I'm like, what are you referencing here? But it's training camp. We'll be there on Saturday, Sunday. Cannot wait. Absolutely. And obviously today's episode is the final installment of our Countdown to Camp series. Uh, we're going to be focusing today on all phases of the Bears special teams. But before we, we begin, just a quick reminder uh, of our Bears jersey giveaway. We're only 47 reviews away from our goal of 500 on Apple Podcast. And again, once we reach that goal, we're going to pick one random reviewer to receive a Bears jersey of their choice. And YouTube fans, of course, make sure to get on in this action. Now, for the 453 Bears fans who have already given us a review over the years, uh, we want to say thank you. We really do appreciate it. But Nick, are you ready to dive on in and break down hashtag bear special teams? Let's do it. All right, let's begin at punter. And of course, that means Patrick O'Donnell. He's entering his sixth season in the NFL and with the Chicago Bears. O'Donnell, he's coming off a 2018 year in which he had his career low in punts with 62. And I'm sure he was relieved to not have a heavy workload. In his previous four years, he averaged 74 punts per season. O'Donnell had some impressive numbers a year ago. Less than a third of his punts were returned, and 28 of his 62 punts were downed inside the 20. And that's actually one more than he had two years ago. He had 27 in the 2017 season, uh, th- but that came on a career-high 87 punts. He was able to have more kicks inside the 20, despite having 25 less punts last season. Obviously, shorter fields help, but of course, you have to give some credit to O'Donnell here as well. Nick, to kick off our discussion on our punter, uh, do you have any areas of improvement that you're still looking for out of Patrick O'Donnell? You know, I think uh, for Pat O'Donnell, it's always trying to get pinned 
other teams deep within their own territory. That's always something that you want to see improvement upon. But he did do that last season, and he was more consistent with it. I mean, that's why Ryan Pace and companies wanted to re-sign him and sign him to a two-year, $4 million deal this offseason. So I think for Patrick O'Donnell, you just want to see more of that consistency. And, you know, he's going into his sixth season now with the Bears, and he's been here longer than Ryan Pace. So kind of just shows you the value that he brings in what he brings at the position. He's been arguably the most consistent thing about the Bears special teams. And not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but you'd like to see all areas of the this game be more consistent. But I think that's always some somewhere in particular for Pat O'Donnell. You can always look to improve upon because, again, this is a very important part of a football team, special teams. The Bears know exactly how that works. Just go back to last year. But I think that's just something that you can always look for improvement on. Absolutely. For me, another one that I would like to throw in here is to eliminate touchbacks. Last year, he was tied for the third most in the NFL with seven. This does go hand-in-hand with the coverage unit, of course, but O'Donnell, he does need to work on keeping the ball at the end zone, either by more hang time, using a different angle, or perhaps some different spin on the ball. Uh, Some may say that last year he had those seven due to the shorter fields, and I get that. I really do. But look at Washington. Uh, They had the most punts downed inside the 20 last year, 41. But they are also the only team in the NFL to have zero touchbacks. Not a killer with our defense, of course, if you give an offense, you know, starting the ball to 20. But, I mean, with our defense, I mean, it's pretty good field territory that no damage should really be done. But anytime that you give a team free yards instead of just cornering the ball out of bounds anywhere inside the 20, I mean, it hurts. It's a game of inches, so anytime you give up yards can definitely come back to bite your team later on in the game. I have a question, though. This wasn't scripted, but as we're talking about improvement areas, I think we would be remiss if we did not mention his holding on field goals because that was a topic of uh, you know discussion earlier in this offseason when the Bears were looking at kickers. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. They're like... A lot of fans are like, well, maybe they should look at a different holder because O'Donnell's been here through all these kickers, and maybe he's the common denominator. Do you buy that at all? Um, I'm going to say no on that. I mean, I haven't seen anything personally wrong with Pat O'Donnell's hold, uh, you know, holding there. I used to, you know, be the holder too for field goals. You always you spin, spin the ball in the right direction, have the laces out. You're usually good. I think for the most part, Pat O'Donnell has done that it just fortunate it's just unfortunate that he's gone through so many kickers and he's still made it through there so I don't know if that's necessarily an issue but I'm sure the Bears are going to look at everything when it comes to their their kicking flaws as to what could be like the primary cause of it and if Pat O'Donnell's the issue I'm sure they'll look work on corrections if there needs to be made if there has to be some that needs to be made but I don't think that's necessarily the issue as to why the kickers haven't panned out here in Chicago. Right. I just want to know your take because, I mean, I wasn't going to go through the tape and watch every field goal and see exactly how the hold was and try to pause it in real time to figure out exactly how the snap and the whole thing kind of uh, correlated there. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, if the Bears saw something glaring, they would have made a move one way or another to, you know, bring someone else. Maybe they go old school and bring, like, that third-string quarterback out or backup quarterback to do it. 
We'll see. I mean, there's a few days until practice, but as of right now, he's the holder. And I mean, obviously the Bears haven't seen anything to make a change. Now getting into 2019 and this upcoming season, for me, when I'm looking at O'Donnell, I would like to see his total punts reach another career low. I know he had it last year, but of course, if he's punting even less, that means the Bears offense is putting up more points at the end of the day. And I'm expecting something in like the 50s range for him. He had 62 last year. Uh, there were, uh, last season, the top offenses, the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, they actually had punt totals less than 50. Uh, so when I see the Bears, if they can keep it in the 50s range, I think that would be a win. But when O'Donnell's actually punting, honestly, I'm not expecting much different than what we've seen over the years from him. I mean, he can boot it. He has a decent job at limiting returns, as I've already specified. And I think with him, there's going to be no surprises this year. What about you? Any expectations for the punter? You know, not necessarily. Um, I think that obviously if the offense is doing their job, you're going to see less of Pat O'Donnell. And I think that's what we kind of expect here for the 2019 season. I have seen him a couple times at Bears Fit kind of working out there. Hey, you know, I mean, he's got a strong leg. He's putting in the work even when it's not at Hallis Hall. So hopefully it all comes to fruition and he's able to have a good season and pin more people inside the 20, get that hang time, and just not be a concern. We don't need any more concerns on this phase of the football team and just having paddle down and be the consistent player that he has been would be nice for a change. Do you think that his strong plays comes because he has a strong barber? That also definitely helps. If you look good, you play with confidence. I've always been told that. So, yeah, I would say so. I figured you wanted to throw funks in there one last time. We do it all the time on the show. So We do. It's a great place. Absolutely. All right. Well, up next, we're going to discuss the two kickers that will be battling it out throughout camp. But first, we do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as, if, it's as if they're so big, they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if their site's annoying and doesn't have the events that you want? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. In an industry that tends to be stagnant, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Now, why is SeatGeek better than the rest? That's a great question. First off, a quick look at the App Store shows that they have over 50,000 five-star reviews. And on top of that, SeatGeek, it's just a better process. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web. They rate each deal on a scale to 1 to 10. And finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. The green dots are the good deals, and the red dots are just simply overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And as you know here, everyone at Chicago Audible, we have the SeatGeek apps on our phone, our devices. By far the easiest way and fastest way that we've been able to purchase tickets. In fact, uh, we're using the app to buy tickets to a White Sox game this weekend on Saturday night. Nick wants to go get some Spider-Man-themed bobbleheads, right? That is correct. That's why That's why we're going. We're not going to watch baseball. We're there for the bobblehead, apparently. But, of course, SeatGeek is also where we always buy our Bears tickets. So if this is the time of year where you're looking to purchase a Bears ticket home or away, definitely check out SeatGeek because, and this is the kicker, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off the first SeatGeek purchase, and all you need to do is use our promo code. Just download their app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. And again, really easy promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. It's time to switch our focus now on the two kickers vying for one job. Camp is going to be an extended interview for both of these guys, so let's go ahead and take a look at the tail of the tape. First up, 
Elliot Fry. He played his college ball at South Carolina. He went from a walk-on to the school's all-time leading scorer, where he hit 75% of his 88 field goals. He recently generated some buzz this past spring as the kicker for Orlando's AAF team, and during that season, he was a perfect 14 of 14 with a long of 44 yards. His opponent, Eddie Pinero. He was a high school soccer star turned kicker during his senior year. At Florida, he hit on 88.4% of his 43 kicks. He only missed one during his senior year, and he had the best field goal percentage in the nation. In fact, he hit his last 29 of 30 balls in college. He went undrafted despite declaring early and ended up signing with Oakland last year as an undrafted free agent. He had an impressive camp in preseason, hitting on all three of his kicks, and he looked as if he was going to win the job, but an o- a groin injury kept him out for the entire year. So, Nick, as of today, four days before camp begins, which horse do you have your money on? That's that's the question, right? Which one of these kickers? Um, To be completely honest, well, I have no idea, and I don't think the Bears honestly do. They're excited about their young kickers. If you go back and listen to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's press conference at, from Decatur on Sunday, they said they're excited, but they're still weighing all their options. They said Elliot Fry has been more consistent but needs more strength. Eddie Pinheiro has a strong leg, a natural leg, but he needs to be more consistent. Put those two together, and you have the ideal kicker. But that's just not the case, right? So I think early on in training camp, I just have a feeling you'll see Elliot Fry making more of his field goals. But I have a feeling that towards the end of training camp, Eddie Pinheiro will maybe be the front runner to take this position. I think there was a lot of upside with him in Oakland. Just that injury kind of set him back a little bit. But I think that's what you'll end up seeing. I'm not saying that either of these two guys are going to be the option for the Bears for the 2019 season. I just think that's how it'll play out in this training camp. But, of course, we are going to be monitoring that while we're at Bourbon A. Unfortunately, I mean, look, it's nearly a two-hour drive for me to get to Bourbon A, even longer for you. And knowing that we have to devote some time to going to the secluded field by itself to watch the kickers, a little bit disappointing, but this is the situation the Bears are in right now. But wait, to answer wait, wait, your question, wait. You don't know that I'm sending you over there so I can continue watching 7-on-7 seven seven and the 11-on-11 11 11 and the 1-on-1 one one to the school guys? That's your job. You're watching kickers. You know, I had a feeling that, that you had <laughs> that planned up. That I'm just going to be there, maybe with a little notebook, just miss, made, miss. And you're just gonna, you'll look over. I'll just be shaking my head like, man, I wish I was watching the 7-on-7. Seven seven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, hopefully you don't have to put down miss too often. If both these guys ball out throughout camp, I mean, obviously that's best-case scenario, but... Again, you said it. Maybe neither of these guys are going to be the answer. We don't know. They could bring in a free agent still, a veteran still. But as of right now, you know, these are the only two. I'm going to use the word horses again. It's my metaphor. In the stable. And we have to figure out which one we're going to take to the derby or not. Uh, For me, if I had to lean one way or the other, and again, you said it's hard and it is very difficult. I'll lean towards Pinero because I really did like what I saw from his days at Florida. Uh, And he was looking to be the real deal last year before that groin injury. Uh, The Bears wanted to bring him in for a reason. There's a reason why they traded for him. He has a relationship with the kicking consultant that they brought in, Jamie Cole, who will be there throughout camp. Uh, He should only continue to develop Pinero. He has accuracy. I mean, you talked about more consistent. I see that, but in terms of he hit his last 29 out of 30 in college, and he was perfect 3-for-3 in his first ever preseason, that's pretty damn consistent if you ask me. Uh, he has the experience of being through an NFL offseason now twice. So to me, if he can stay healthy, which I don't really see injuries being an issue, he just had one last year that kind of put him on the IR, I envision that he's going to get the job. I really do. But again, things can change in a couple of weeks with a kicker, as we know. I mean, one kick can change the entire narrative of a season. 
a story, a career. You never know. Anything else on the kicking game that you want to mention heading in? You know, just another thing when Ryan Pace was asked who had the better offseason between Eddie Pinheiro and Elliot Fry, he said they're dead even right now. And I think what's kind of what's good about this going into training camp, which starts on Saturday, is that we want to see competition between these guys. And I think competition brings out the best in, you know, literally everybody. So whether or not maybe one kicker is having a bad day or a good day, they're going to, they're, like you said it well, they're competing for one job. So let's see how this plays out. Hopefully we just see the clear cut, you know, guy that comes out of training camp. But then again, going back to last year, Cody Parkey didn't do so. He did pretty well um, in training camp. And now you look how the season plays out. And that you know, we all know how that story ends. So it's not a clear cut solution. Maybe one of these guys does come out better, but they just t- double doink at some point during during the regular season. It's just so it's so iffy with kickers. It's all I think it's really just a mental game. If you're making kicks, you'll keep making them because you're confident. If you're not, even if you are a good field goal kicker, you're just going to be inconsistent at times. So it's it's a really up and down game. But we're just going to see how this plays out because it's not going away. It's not going away until who who knows when, to be completely right. honest. I mean, you remember Parky having a decent camp. I remember a lot of the misses. And maybe it's just my mind after a year removed, plus the season that we had. Maybe it just remembers the negative ones purposely. Um, but like you said, you just never know. You just never do. And I think Pace was smart to say they're 50-50. That way you keep both on their toes, both on edge, both you know pushing, not one taking uh, their – you know foot off the gas either because they're succeeding or they think they're behind this keeps them in a dead heat and i think that if he can even you know publicly say they're even uh throughout most of camp that's probably going to be best to kind of keep both uh on top of their a game at least best that they can all right let's go ahead and discuss the return game now and let's go ahead and begin at punt returner and that's of course three cohen he was the second best returner in the league in 2018 and ended up being an all pro at the position he had the most punt returns uh, punt, yeah, in the league, but he still averaged the fifth most yards per return. That's very effective. There are guys averaging more than him with a higher uh, long, like in the 80s and 90s, which skews it. And they had like 10 or 15 less returns, which even skews it further. But the fact that he had over like 40 punt returns and was still averaging around what those guys did, that's super effective and consistent at the position. So, Nick, what makes Cohen so dynamic as a returner? I think this is an obvious question, but one I want to get your opinion on. And what do you expect out of him again this season? Yeah, so I think with anybody who wants to be a punt returner, you have to be very decisive with whatever direction you're going to go to. And I think that's where you kind of see a little bit of a difference between how Tariq Cohen runs the football as a running back as opposed to how he is as a punt returner because there's no dilly-dallying as a punt returner. Guys are coming full speed at you, and you have to make one move, cut, go upfield. I think that's where Tariq Cohen has gotten a little bit better at, especially specifically as a punt returner, and that's what he averaged what he averaged and was able to do some good things at the position and be an all-pro there. So I think that's where um, you see the, the special attributes that Tariq Cohen brings and also speed. I mean, once you can get to the edge, there's not a lot of guys – that even if they have the right angle on him, are going to be able to get Tariq Cohen. He just needs to get there, have that right blocking. But I think that's what makes Tariq Cohen a you know a good punt returner. Um, I'm not not to be mistaken, but I think he had all the punt returns last year, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't know a if any couple went to Anthony Miller. I think just like a couple. Okay. 
Okay. So they they Bears didn't really experiment either. So they obviously liked going back there, even though they know if he were to sustain an injury, that'd be a big blow to the offense. So they like Cohen as a punt returner, like the upside and the, the plays that he can make. So I think that's what, when you like put everything together, that's what Tariq Cohen really brings at that position. And there's a little bit of a spark when he gets the ball in his hands. You never know what he's exactly going to do with it. Um, but I think just being that one cut, go upfield, Make a quick decision. That's what makes Tariq Cohen a good punt returner. Yeah, no. Every time he touched the ball last year, it was he was giving the Bears' offense about you know like 15 extra yards per possession. And again, that may not be eye popping numbers, but that changes field position. That changes out courses of games. I think compared to his rookie year, he did a really good job of limiting those negative returns because at the end of you know this time last year, like Cohen did a really good job. He had that one touchdown, but there were a lot of returns that. We are scratching our head on the decision making, going the wrong way, backing up too much, taking, you know, not taking the fair catch and perhaps fumbling it because it's a little bit of a tight coverage. Last year, he made better decisions overall, and I expect him now at year three to do the same. And I think when he has a stronger, more decisive uh, decision making to go along with his physical tools and the instincts that he has, I really don't envision, you know, anything other than we saw last year I mean maybe he can turn one into a touchdown but overall I just expect him to you know find a way to catch that ball get 10 to 15 yards maybe he can bust out some longer ones here and there but on average about 10 to 15 and I'm happy with it what about you any other expectations yeah I mean I think that's uh that would be great for the offense if you can get that 12 to 15 additional yardage just from your your special teams that's great but I think the other thing is like you mentioned it earlier when he first came into the league 2017 was being that punt returner sometimes there the ball would end up on the ground or there was these questionable decisions just keep limiting those and have that be maybe what happened in your rookie season. Don't let it come back and uh, hurt you now going into year three. But I think for the most part, Tariq Cohen knows uh, when to you know signal for a fair catch, when he should maybe take an opportunity, take a chance. I think he's starting to learn that aspect of the game now as a punt returner. All right, let's move on over to kick returner. The Bears really struggled in this element of the game last season. Okay, struggled, may not even cover it because they were dead last in the NFL in yards per kick return, a measly 19.1 average. Now, the majority of those returns came from Benny Cunningham and uh, Taquan Mizell. Each didn't really perform well, but Mizell especially, he had a 15-yard average, and that's a pretty big disappointment. Anthony Miller, he was the most dynamic returner last year. He did average 23.2 yards on his six kick returns, but there looks to be a saving grace, and that's in free agent pickup Cordero Patterson. Last year with New England, he was ranked 8th in the NFL with an impressive 28.8 yards per return. And that's obviously uh, roughly 10 extra yards for the Bears' offense compared to last year. So the impact of that sort of improvement really cannot be stated enough. Imagine if Trubisky last season, on average, had about 10 extra yards to play with every time another team kicked to the the Bears. You know, that could have changed outcomes of the games. I mean, what, the Bears lost every game by one score or less? That could have changed any outcome of the game right there. But... That's last year. We're looking at this year. So, Nick, uh, do you envision this being Patterson's job out of the gate? Do you envision some sort of battle here? What do you envision in terms of kick returning as a whole? 
Yeah, as kicker training as a whole, I do think this is Cordero Patterson's job. Uh, just proven, just what he's proven to have done in his career, um, whether it was with the Vikings or the obviously the Patriots last season, what he did to the Bears last season, taking one for six at Soldier Field. The Bears know exactly what Cordero Patterson can add to this phase of the game, which has been non-existent since Devin Hester was a kick returner. So I think now teams are going to have to really think about it. Do we just kick the ball out of bounds and put them – you know, uh, at 25, or do we give it to Cordero Patterson and give him that opportunity? I think last year teams were wanting the Bears kick returns to take it out of the end zone because they knew, for the most part, these guys weren't proven. They weren't taking it, uh, you know, past the past the 20. Uh, when you have Taquan Mizell only averaging 15 yards, that's not ideal for any offense to start within their own 20. So I think it's going to really, for opposing teams, they're going to have to think about it because you could take that chance and Cordell Patterson could go back for six. It's that easy. He has that speed. He has the reps there at the position. He knows when to take it out, when to not take it out. He's, he's, he's a proven guy at that position. So I think overall it's going to be his. There could be like a Marvin Hall who they brought in from the Falcons. That could be another guy that you could probably expect to see reps, especially in training camp at kick returner. I can definitely see that. Or even seventh-round draft pick Kareth White um, if he wants to potentially – make an, uh, an impact on this team or even make this team in general, kick returner might be the position. But honestly, I think it's just Patterson's job from the get-go. All right. Interesting you brought up White because I did as well because we talked about it when the Bears drafted him. Uh, he averaged, I think, 26.1 yards. He had 81 kick returns at Florida Atlantic. Uh, he also had a touchdown in each of his last two seasons at that role. Uh, we know he has great elite speed. He has very good vision. He has the experience. I mean, 81 kick returns at the collegiate level is plenty of experience. I'm looking forward to watching him in that role at camp because if he can show value there, even if he's not the number one guy, if he can end up being the Bears' second option, like you said, that could be his way in to making this roster this season. The Bears may end up keeping four running backs active because he has such uh, you know, talent at the return position. And, of course, anytime they can throw him in there in a sub package to have – extra speed in the offense that's a plus but that's a different conversation for a different day but in terms of him as a kick returner I really like what I saw and I'm excited to see if he can make any headways or waves at training camp doing so in that kind of a role yeah no and what would also be kind of interesting and you don't really see it nowadays in the NFL is having the two kick returners back there and mm -hmm. having a kicker to you know pick Pick, pick his poison essentially if you have two guys with speed that they would have like in a white or a Patterson you would have Marvin Hall back there in a Patterson that's you know you're potentially giving the ball to either one of those guys and they all have all have that speed to make you pay and maybe that's the way someone makes a team if they are like the fourth running back on the roster or Marvin Hall's maybe the sixth or seventh receiver on the roster Put two kick returns back there, make them pick. And, you know, Cordero Patterson's a very versatile guy. He can also, if he doesn't get the ball on the kick return, he can potentially go block. He plays almost every single position on the football field. Mm -hmm. So it just creates options if you have multiple guys that have the potential to be a kick returner. So it's not a bad thing to have. Well, look at last year. We had no options. I'd rather have too <laughs> many options than what we had last year. Absolutely. All right, Nick, I'm curious. Do you have any core special teams players? Obviously, there are guys throughout our Countdown to Camp series, as we went position by position, we labeled as, oh, that's a special teamer. So now in this episode, do you have like a list or a group of those people that you're looking at and going, that's our core special team unit? 
Yeah, so there's a bunch of guys that really fit this mold who are not starters, but will be asked to fill in if someone goes down. You look at a Sheriff McManus, who is a guy that's just been here consistently, a veteran who was a captain. He's a core special team guy. You'll usually see him on there. Nick Kwiatkowski, now that he's uh, kind of lost that spot to the inside linebacker position to Roquan Smith, he's someone that you'll essentially see on special teams. DeAndre Houston Carson as well is someone consistently on special teams. Those are some of the guys that I look at where you just want to see consistent play out of them because obviously they're not the starters. They're When they're asked to be, Due to injury, yes, they'll go and fill in, but you want to see their impact made on special teams. Another guy uh, just drafted last year, Joel E.A. Buniwe. He did a pretty good job making tackles on special teams, and until he proves that maybe he can be the next inside linebacker if Danny Trevathan goes, um, he needs to consistently show that he can take the proper angles on kickoffs and punts to go make tackles, and he did, for the most part, did a good job of that last season. But I think those guys that I mentioned, those are all – core special teamers i have all four of those guys on my list but real quickly iggy you talked about him last year as a rookie he led the bears in special team snaps he was on 75 percent of all bears special team snaps what does that say to you in terms of the of course chris Tabor? he's the special teams coordinator his confidence in iggy you know last season and how that may project moving forward because obviously when you're playing on no, three quarters of the snaps, which most players are barely above 60. I mean, that to me is a huge bit of confidence, right? Oh, absolutely. Even though he was a rookie, the Bears, especially on the special teams aspect of that side, they they had confidence in Iggy to make the proper plays to not blow an assignment because that's all it really takes sometimes is one guy being out of position when running down in their lanes. And that can create a huge hole in a in a return, be a potential big return for an opposing team. But it is encouraging to see that on the special teams, they did like Joel E.A. Buniwe on there. And look, he's got good speed. He's obviously plays the linebacker position so he can get down. He knows how to cover, stay in his lanes. But that is encouraging to see. So let's just see if now he can maybe uh, just expand that role a little bit. Maybe not, not in the defense yet, but it is encouraging that he is getting those opportunities on special teams. I'm in, I'm encouraged to see what he can do in terms of growth because he's going to understand those units a little bit stronger, his role within them. He may end up, I know he's only a second-year guy, and I don't think he's going to be a, quote, captain, but someone that people look up to on special teams to make some plays here or there to really change the momentum of some of these games. Uh, you mentioned DeAndre Houston Carson. He's on my list, but there is another safety I have listed too, and Dion Bush. He was in about 60% of special team snaps last year too, so those people... I'm calling them the core. When you're out there more than 50% in the upper echelon, or echelon, I should say, of 60% or more, that's really when you're the core unit, the core guys that can be used in a variety of roles. Everyone else has you know, like a role or two, but these guys are out here uh, more times than not. But on top of this core, uh, we do have guys that were lost or I wouldn't say let go and approved upon uh, this year in free agency. You have Josh Bellamy. Uh, Benny Cunningham, and Daniel Brown. All three of them, they played over 50% of the special team snaps a year ago. Do you have any guys on your shortlist that may kind of take over their roles here? Because obviously uh, the core that we just mentioned, those four to five, they're here. They were here last year. So we're still looking at about three guys that need to step up in some larger quantities. Yeah, so I think a guy that is going to make an impact on here, just because he's not higher up on the depth chart at the other position, is Javon Wims right now. If he's going to make this team, especially as a lower-tier wide receiver, he needs to make an impact on special teams. I can see him being a gunner, just similar to what Joshua Bellamy was doing for the Bears you know, consistently uh, throughout his time here. 
He was when he was asked to play offense, he played offense. But when he was asked to be a gunner on those punts, guess what? He was the gunner as well. So I think Javon Wims, if you know, I think he will end up making the 53 man roster. We we've definitely talked about the wide receivers earlier, but if he also wants to make an impact and show the coaching staff that he is worthy of making it, it's gonna be on special teams, probably at that gunner position. So that's one of the guys that I can definitely see making an impact there. For me, I see Dax Raymond, if he wants to make a chance for this roster, of course, an undrafted free agent tight end. Adding on special team snaps, taking over for Daniel Brown makes a lot of sense to me on paper. Of course, I need to see how he translates to the NFL special teams role. Uh, You talked about, uh, well, I mentioned Kenny, Kenny, Benny Cunningham. Uh, He only was on 8% of the special team snaps a year ago. I'm sorry, not he was. Pause. Reset, Will. Last year, Mike Davis for Seattle, only 8% of special team snaps. I don't know if he's the guy to fill Cunningham's role. Uh, so, again, that's when you look at a Kareth White. Does he want to, if the Bears want to keep four running backs, he really needs to prove value on special teams. So maybe he can take Bunny Cunningham's role. Maybe Mike Davis can, you know, step up in the special teams aspect as well because just because he played 8% at Seattle doesn't really mean he will play, you know, less than 10% of the snaps here in Chicago. But, of course, there's a reason why Seattle didn't have him there. Just wanted to point that out. And you mentioned Javon Wims taking over for Josh Bellamy. I'm actually looking on defense and a guy like Kevin Tolliver, who can be a gunner. And, obviously, he's probably he's a lock to make this roster. Uh, he was only on uh, 23% of snaps last year, so he can easily move up to the 40 to 50% range, at least in my opinion. All right. Anything else on the core guys or anything else you want to talk about with that group? You know, those are core guys for a reason, and they shouldn't be overlooked because, again, special teams has hurt the Bears consistently over the years. But it is nice having some guys that you can definitely rely on. And the people we mentioned, those are guys you can rely on on special teams, not to blow their assignments, unlike, uh, you know, that other position kicker where we have no idea if we can rely on any of those guys. Correct. That's all I need to say on that matter. All right, Nick, let's go ahead and just have our final segment of the show with some big picture questions. And we have to begin uh, with our final over-under segment here of Countdown to Camp. So over or under? 60 punts for Patrick O'Donnell. Uh, just a reminder, he had 62 last year, which was a career low. We will oh, – man. We'll go over 60, but just with 61. So it's still less than what he had a season ago. Okay. I'm, I mean, I kind of gave my hand out earlier. I envisioned him being in the 50s, so I'm going to say under somewhere around 55 to 57. Uh, again, that's seven extra possessions where the Bears put up points. Not going to complain by that uh, by any means. But up next, over or under, one punt return touchdown for Tariq Cohen. Only one in his career. That came his rookie season. So I'm just setting the bar at one for Tariq this year. You know, I think he gets exactly one. So we're going to say it's uh, right there at one. Um, it's it's harder in this day and age, I feel like, to punt, you know, be a returner who definitely gets into the end zone. It's just, it's just not the same like it was when Devin Hester was playing. So I'll leave mm-hmm. it at one for Trey Cohen. And that's not bad. That's not a bad thing to only have one punt return touchdown. As long as he's averaging a good amount of yards, making the right decisions as a punt returner, that's all you really want out of that position. All right. Over or under Nick? Oh, wait, I want to get my two cents in there. Yeah, Tariq Cohen, he's going to get one this year. I think, you know, he had one two years ago. Like you said, it's harder this, you know, nowadays than it used to be, but I, I envision him taking one of the house. But up next, over under, I have six missed field goals as the bar. Last year, we had seven in the regular season. I'm not going to tell you what happened in the postseason. You already know. Nick, uh, over or under six missed field goals. 
Man, you know, just just so we don't have to go through this again, I want to say it's under. But I, I don't know who's going to be the kicker. I can't tell you that it's one of these two guys, Pinheiro or Fry, are, are the answer, or if they're going to be reliable, better than Cody Parker. I can't tell you that, and I just don't know that. And if the Bears are missing more field goals than they did last season, that's obviously not a good thing. So I'm going to – I'm going to – I'm just going to go under just because it feels better to say that. And hopefully that's what ends up being the case this season. I'm going under as well. Uh, For me, it's more about the bears doing their homework, uh, trusting the process that they've had in place all off season. I mean, at one point there's like six to eight kickers on this roster. So we're down to two and hopefully this whole process ends up in better results. So I'm going to go under as well. Over or under three field goals of 50 plus. Uh, They have two total in the last two years, one each. So I'm setting the bar at three this year, which for most other teams is not an egregious number. But here in Chicago, that's that's pretty high. If Pinheiro is the kicker, I will go over just by one. If not, it's going to be under. Damn, you took it right from my notes. I hate that. But yeah, same thing. Because you, you hear about you know Elliot, not the strongest of legs. So I feel like they would want to kind of limit that his attempts from 50 plus. Um, but the other way around with the boot. You see, I'm going to say under, though, just in general. Even if they had a stronger leg out there, I don't. I see the Bears' offense not stalling as much as they did when they reached like that 35-yard line, so they should have to at least limit those attempts. And if they are on the bubble, you know Matt Nagy. He's going to go for it. So I think more times than not, uh, I think this year I'm going to do under. I'm saying they're going to get two, which would match their previous two years combined. All right, final one, over or under 27 kick return yards on average this year. Remember, last year was 19.2. Patterson in New England was 28.2. So I have it set at 27. We'll go over with Patterson. I like what he brings to that position. And again, teams are going to have to think twice between whether or not they just kick it out of bounds or kick it out of the end zone or kick it to him. And now that you have a dynamic kick returner with Patterson, he's going to make teams pay. And I think with the Bears, they'll now, now when you have somebody that has the potential of doing that, you're more inclined to maybe hold that block just a little bit longer, just stay in your lanes a little bit longer because you know there's a potential for Patterson to break one. So I think we'll go over on that. Okay, I'm actually going to go under. I think they're going to fall somewhere in the 26th range. Again, even though they had 19.2 last year, and yes, I believe that the talent was severely lacking at that kind of element of the game, the Bears' coverage units, or you know, blocking units for that matter, didn't do them any favors either. So it's a team effort. There's 11 guys out there. There's some new people who are going to be involved here. So until I see otherwise, I'm going to say under 27, but I do envision progress. So I'll, I'll peg them around 26. Now, I'm excited for this one, Nick. True or false? And obviously, uh, based off of your reaction throughout the entire show, I know this one's going to be a very difficult one for you. Uh, so true or false, the Bears will come out of training camp with, and I'm putting here, a long-term answer at kicker. False. Uh, like, <laughs> again, I haven't even seen these guys kick in person, but that's just my gut feeling with this and just how the Bears kicking situation problems have persisted throughout this, the years ever since Robbie Gold uh, left. So I, I, just, I just have that feeling. I hope I'm wrong. I hope one of these two guys are it or if they bring somebody else in. But as of right now, I'm going to say false. I'm in the same boat. None of these guys were striking me as like a Robbie Gold or heck, what before him, like a Paul Edinger, which at least was a few years. But ever since, I mean, we have not had anything consistent. So until I, you know, I get over this abandonment issue that I have at kicker, uh, I'm going to have to say false. 
You ready for a bold prediction? Do you have a bold prediction, Nick? You know, I uh, I just made one up cool. maybe like 20 seconds ago. So, yeah, bold prediction. Uh, Cordell Patterson, obviously, I think is when we're talking about kick return, he's going to be the guy. I think he takes two back to the house this season. And it happens. Or is that in your is that in your just, in your notes? Don't worry about me. Don't okay. worry about me. You okay. Go. He takes two back this season and one's going to happen on September 5th against the Green Bay Packers. I love it. I love it. I also have two kick return touchdowns this year, like with Kareth White Jr. Oh, that's that's a very okay. You took mine and just times ten right there because one, Kareth White makes the roster. Mm-hmm. It's him as a rookie, seventh round draft pick. I like that. Yeah, and you talked about the two guys out there, and I actually had that in my thoughts. Like if they had both out there and they would kick to the rookie, I mean, you've seen his speed. I mean, you know his you know, his inline speed is incredible. He's running in almost looks like slow motion, or he makes everyone else look like they're moving in slow motion around him. So if he gets his hand on a couple of these, I can see some special things happening and that may change the entire narrative of what we need to do with Patterson moving forward, but uh, we'll see. So for me, I thought that was pretty bold myself, but funny how we're both thinking kick returns and we both have two touchdowns. Great mindset, right. like Will. That is true. That is true. Uh, so I, I have no idea why you're thinking like me, but no, I'm kidding. You know I, you know I appreciate your mind, but I do have one final kind of question. It's the one how I end every Countdown to Camp episode. Uh, what's your confidence in this entire unit? Uh, I have a number, and I also have a breakdown of like every other unit, but I want to see where you stand first. Yeah, so this is definitely going to be the lowest out of all the countdowns, the breakdowns that we've done throughout this offseason. Um, confidence in this unit, I think, look, kick, kicker's obviously the big one that's going to bring this all down. At kicker, it's probably a four, four out of ten right now because I just, I just don't know what to make of that. I really like Cordell Patterson as a kick returner. I love – uh, Tree Cohen as a punt returner, but overall, I mean, maybe a, a, a seven is what brings that up to a seven, but the kickers is what brings this overall grade special team uh, down. Okay. I overall, I have a 7.75. Very precise, but I did do some math because I broke it down. <laughs> I have kicking, I have it at a five, punting at eight. Punt return, 9.9. I haven't given a 10 all, all, all count on the camp. I'm not doing it now. Sorry, Tariq, not doing it. Kick returner, I have an 8. Even though last year they struggled, dead last in the NFL, I believe the talent's there to kind of turn that around. So I think an 8 solid. Punt and coverage at a 9. Uh, that's hand-in-hand hand with O'Donnell as well. Kick coverage is down at a 6.5. Uh, just from what we saw last year, they gave up a ton of yards off of kickoffs, uh, which came out to a 7.75, which still isn't too bad. Yeah, I like the math that was involved there. I definitely did not put any type of math in my uh, answer there, but I think I like it. You don't math, so that's okay. I don't math. I don't math. All right, Nick, any final thoughts on special teams or any final thoughts? Because the next time people hear from us, it's going to be after the Bears' first practice of training camp. Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is obviously the unit, the Achilles heel, if you will, especially that kicker position of the bears right now. And so we'll, we'll be there training camp to see just how those two guys are doing, but yeah, we will be at training camp. Thank goodness. We did. We've done a great job. I think will just kind of breaking down each position, letting people know what to expect from them. But now we get to see it for ourselves at bourbon a, and I just cannot wait. Me neither. I mean, like you said it, I mean, we went through every player, on this roster week by week, position by position. And I know, you know, I learned a lot every year we do this exercise. I learned so much more about the team because we do 
so many episodes. Sometimes things get like discombobulated in my head from one off season to the next or throughout the, you know, the regular season to the off season, you forget some things. And when you look back and you reflect and you remember, A, it gets me more excited for the season because you remember just how damn talented this football team is. You kind of remember where we were even a couple years ago, if you're looking back at two years ago notes, like you had no idea what this team was going to do. And just how quickly the confidence level changes, how quickly uh, the talent just, you know, comes together. It's really awesome to see. But yeah, just uh, four days away. Uh, Bears first practice, 8.30 in the morning, and then as soon as it's done, we're going to find ourselves a a quiet-ish spot somewhere in Bourbon A to do a podcast to crank that out as quick as possible. Uh, I'm excited for it, and I hope you are too, but that's going to do it uh, for this episode. And again, this does conclude our summer-long Countdown to Camp series. I hope that you have enjoyed all of these positional previews throughout the past couple of months and that you feel as ready as we do for training camp to begin in four short days. Please help us reach our goal of 500 reviews on Apple Podcasts. Again, if we hit that goal by week one, we'll select one lucky reviewer to receive a free Bears jersey of their choice. And again, we have to hit that goal by week one. And again, Nick and I mentioned, next time you're going to hear from us directly after the Bears first practice on Saturday morning. Uh, make sure to follow us for live updates on Twitter at Chicago Audible. Nick, do you want to plug your personal Twitter as well, or are you going to stick on the main account? You know, might as well post it on there. I go get confused when I'm going back and forth from the accounts at Nicholas Moriano. But primarily, look at the Chicago Audible on Twitter. That's where we're going to put all of our content out there, and there's going to be a bunch of it. That's a wee mindset if I ever heard one, Nick. That is a wee mindset, and that's how we do it here. That's right. And again, hopefully we'll see you in Bear Benet as well. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.